Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Ms. Jennifer Lee Vaughn. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? I am sitting here with a list of names. I want to give out some shout outs. So I won't do last names. I'll just do first names. So if you've written to me recently through my Instagram and I've, you know, told me that you've liked the podcast, more than likely I will say your name. So if your name is something like Laura, you should know, Laura, if you're listening, which Laura it is because you wrote to me. (laughs) So here we go. Farzan, Barrett, Kida, False Twin Flame. You're so funny. Thank you for, um, all of the stuff that you share with me in my close friends story. I have so much, most of these people are my close friends on um, Instagram and I have so much fun with them. Um, Shantastar. I know that's not your first name. It's just your Instagram handle. Um, Jamila, I love you. And I don't even know if she's listening, but hi. And let's see. Um, I know there was somebody else that specifically said, Oh, Shireen. Hi, Shireen. Thank you for listening. And Lindsay. I'll say your last name, Williams, because you have your own podcast out there in Ireland. So I don't know the name of it, Lindsay. I'm sorry offhand. I should take better notes and then I'll say it the next time. Um, Maybe Brooke is listening. If y'all don't know, like Spider-Man's best friend, his real name is Jacob in real life. I think I've talked to you guys about this before, but his girlfriend follows me. We're like friends. We're like besties on Instagram. and, And Jacob actually peeked at my story sometime last week I saw it I saw a blue check and I clicked on it I didn't I don't always remember his name offhand um because I'm not into Spider-Man but I love his girlfriend (laughs) anyways um his name is Jacob Batalong and his life is Aloha on um on Instagram so I clicked on the blue check because I didn't recognize the name right away and it said 2.2 million followers I was like who the fuck what the and I said oh it's Jacob (laughs) so then I left her message saying That was really kind of exciting, actually. And she forwarded my voice message to him. So sweet. So that was kind of exciting. Okay, um, I don't know. Did I do all the names? I think that's probably good for now. And um, so, yeah, how was everybody? I had my my HIV appointment today. I had my blood work done last week. I'll just go through that really quick. Of course, I was undetectable as per usual. Nothing's changed in the last six years. And, you know, I'm only on two drugs. I'm not on three. I'm on the minimum. And I talked to my doctor about that today and the reason why Cabinuva isn't the best choice because... With Cabinuva, you actually have to have more drug in your system because it needs to last for a long time. It lasts for two months. And so they inject you with like an, more medication because they have to make sure that it lasts, right? So it's more than what I am already taking because I'm just on these two drugs at a you know minimum amount every day. And so she felt because of that and because of the whole, you know, um, I was going to say linguistics, no, logistics of having to like go there every two months and, um, you know, have to get these two injections, one on each glute. And the fact that it psychologically doesn't bother me to take the pill every day when I'm already taking other pills at the same time and I don't have any side effects. It just didn't make any sense for me to be switching to Cabinuva only to be like a guinea pig. That was really why I wanted to do it more so was for people who follow me to kind of share the experience with them. But that's not a reason to change my drug regimen. So yeah, we, it was a, it was a good decision not to do that. And, you know, again, I told her, you know, if it became like every six months, of course, I'd be, I'd be into that. But still, I take a handful of pills every night. So like, it's still not a big deal to me to take the pills. I really, I don't know if I ever will switch to that. I mean, maybe we shall see. But um, the big news was my CD4 count. 
So my CD4 count, um, the last time I'd gone in three months ago, well, let's say the one prior to that, it was 509. And then I have done everything right since then, right? I'm exercising. I, I'm always eating right. I don't drink much, really very seldom, maybe once a week or once every other week. And, and when I do, it's light. Um, I eat, well, yeah, I eat well. Um, what else am I doing right? I get enough sleep. I don't meditate or anything like that. Anyways, the point is, is that uh, three months later when I had it done again, it had gone down to like 409 or something like that. I don't know. It was a very low 400. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I'm doing everything right. Why? So this time I go to open it up and I didn't want to, I did a live review or reveal, not, it wasn't live. It was just, I just did it while I was filming on my Instagram and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this. You can see like the email has come. I haven't opened it up yet. It was still, you know, black type and I click on it and open up. But I said, okay, before I open it up, I'm guessing about 436. Um, cause I didn't want to like be like, I don't know. I didn't want to guess too high and then be disappointed. Um, but it was 540. And that is the highest CD4 count that I have ever had since I became diagnosed with HIV. I started with an 84 when I was diagnosed. And, um, you know, it took a while. I've, I've got a video on um, all the dates and how often or, you know, how, how long it took me to get to where I am now. And she's always said, you know, even if it goes down at times, it's always trending up. So don't get frustrated. Some people just go up faster than others. And again, I'm not sick at all. It doesn't mean I'm sick because I'm down to 400 and then now it's up to 540 or anything like that. By the way, also people that don't have HIV or an autoimmune disorder, 700 to 1,500 I hear is the norm. But again, I don't have a baseline for my, like I never knew what my CD4 count was before I had HIV. So it could be 600 could have been my norm. We will never know. Um, But anything over 500, she told me there was a study that was done I don't know the name of the study, but that once you're able to achieve a CD4 of like 500 or higher, basically your life expectancy is the same as anybody else with a, without HIV. So that was, I didn't know that until I got to the 500 range. She shared that with me and she was, I've been waiting to tell you that. And I was like, well, I didn't think I was going to die young because I was in the 400 range, but it's good to know. I mean, obviously I'm, I wouldn't have died young, but yeah, it's a, it was just a nice little milestone. So yeah, I'm at 540. Very happy about that. Um, what else did we talk about today? I told her about what happened with me at Doctors on Duty and that nurse. I told her. And I didn't know what she was going to say because I, like, I don't know. It's, like, really weird to talk to my doctor about the fact that I, well, she knows I'm single. She's really happy about that. But that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun and I'm, like, not with the same person and I'm having a good time dating other people and I'm, I'm having sex. Yes, I am. I'm having sex. So, um, but she's not the luxury type. Uh, and that way, but I, so I shared with her my story about going to be diagnosed for BV and that I did need to be treated for it. And how this nurse, um, had come back into the office and said, you know, you're, did you know that you have a detectable viral load when I had never, never even brought up my diagnosis at all to this nurse. This is doctors on duty, not my normal, um, provider, my doctor, uh, Dr. Wendy, that's her first name, but yeah, she's, um, in a completely different, um, facility not anywhere near doctors on duty, but she wasn't there that day. So I just did the quick trip to doctors on duty. So anyways, what she was upset about, besides the fact that she said that is awful and you should have never been treated that way because it was like this nurse was trying to give me some surprise attack that I'm 
basically this woman going out, out, you know, around my area and spreading HIV to everybody. And I'm just being careless. And that's what bad people, that's what people with HIV do. We do bad things like that, that she was trying to prove a point. And it really was, I can, I can never come up with a good word for it. It's so, it was so unsettling and it made me feel terrible that in a health, um, you know, facility like this that I, well, I felt stigma too. And I told that to Wendy. I said, this was, it was good in a way because I could share this experience with people that I follow, you know, that I really felt stigma, um, in a health facility. That's not the right word. There's a better word, but that I felt it too. And I, you know, so I can relate to people who have gone through this as well. And she said, well, that's really great. I'm like glad that she's glad that I'm able to like be open about it and all that shows, but it shouldn't like be okay that that happened to you just so that you can help other people out there shows I'm not happy that that happened to you and what she didn't like is that they had access to my records she said because she's my primary care and she said I just I don't really get how they were able to go in I mean it's bothering her like she wants to look into it more because she said like when you went to their office of course I got something automatically that said that you had been there for BV. She says, I got, you know, something popped up on my screen. She says, I don't even think I opened anything. It just popped up. And she said, but it's different when they're not your primary care. And she goes, and I said, it almost sounds like it's like a HIPAA violation. She goes, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeling too. And so um, I don't know if she's going to look into it further, but it was just nice to know that she wasn't happy about any of that and how that went down. And it was, she said, I'm really disappointed to hear that you were treated that way. Um, I wanted to say, I don't know, where did I put it? I got a little booklet. Hold on a second. This was while I was in my appointment. Um, You know, there's a little rack there with some information on it. Hi, Joey. I'm doing a podcast. Um, The front of the little booklet, and it is kind of a little tiny booklet, says living with HIV. So I grabbed it because I just wanted to make sure that they talked about U equals U in here. And this booklet was made, it was made by, this guide was created for you by Patent Point, whatever that is. Um, Big Tarvey looks like they um, sponsored this or paid for the little booklet. Um, So it definitely should have the correct information about U equals U. And on page nine, it does. It talks about being undetectable. It says when HIV is undetectable, this, this is what you can expect, you know better health and that you can't transmit it. So it says this is called U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable, but you can only stay undetectable if you keep your t- keep taking your medication. Um, talk to your doctor to learn more. And then they show that one graph that shows when you're first diagnosed, how your viral load's up high. And then within one to six months, it drops down to an undetectable level. And then it's, you know, effectively no risk. So that's good. I was really glad that they included that, but there was something here that I didn't like. Um, oh yeah, this one. So they, they talk about how it spreads and they show a little pregnant cartoon lady and it says, get HIV treatment if you are pregnant, definitely for sure. And don't breastfeed your baby. That's what it says. Um, so Heather Ray O'Connor If you guys remember my interview with her, she's very pro. She's HIV positive. She has two babies. They're both breastfed. They're both fine. And there's a lot of, uh, they're still doing research on it. We can't, we can't use it under the U equals U umbrella as of yet. Um, But I feel like it's really close. Um, So 
she is a great resource. She's on Facebook and she has a group for HIV positive. Maybe it's for anybody, but basically for HIV positive moms who want to breastfeed and how to go about it safely. And it is very safe. So I'm going to bring this up to her because I didn't like that it says, and don't breastfeed your baby. It just, it just says don't like, nope, there are, that is, I'm a mom. <laughs> I've had three kids and I know, and I've talked about it on here. I know that urge to nurse and bond with your baby and for them to just write that in simple text right there and don't breastfeed your baby. Like, can you imagine if you didn't know any better and you how devastated you would be to like read that and think that that's, that's the end all that you don't even get an option. So that it's these booklets kind of piss me off because some, sometimes it's correct like this right here. Oh my God. If thinking about your HIV stresses you out or raises your anxiety, and they've got a picture of a beautiful or, um, cherry blossom tree with the sun coming through. It says, try taking a walk outside, exclamation point. Walking is great exercise and being outside, especially in forested areas, has that's, an, that's a strange addition, um, has also been shown to lower stress and anxiety. In fact, simply spending time outside can boost your self-esteem and your mood. So lace up those sneakers and get moving. Like, I, come on, I'm <laughs> This is a super heavy diagnosis to receive and wrap your brain around. It's not the physical part of it. It's a psychological part. I just, I just love how it's so simplified by a pretty picture and just lace up those sneakers and go outside and it'll all be better. No, it takes fucking time and it takes maybe even counseling. I mean, of course, going outside is not a bad idea, but I could just see having this diagnosis being brand new and then reading this and then going outside and just wanting to curse the world and say, this didn't fucking help at all. Thanks a lot. So I don't know some of the stuff in this book is like, it's okay. There's a lot of information here. Um, there was one other thing. Uh, oh no. Fight excuses with facts. I talk about all that stuff anyways. Okay, I'm going to move on. Um, I have a couple recommendations for y'all. They're both on Netflix. Um, the Great National Parks series. Uh, I don't really know how many episodes they have, but if you want to see where I live, and it's you should just know about it anyways, because it's so freaking amazing over here. The Monterey Bay Sanctuary, which is basically the Monterey Bay and all of the animals that live there. This... Um, it's like I said, it's the great national parks and it, Obama, um, was the, not, not, he's the narrator. He kind of comes on in the beginning and the end and it's his voice throughout, but they don't show him after the beginning and the end. It's all like animals and amazing footage. I mean, unreal. And it was my, I had a date, a Tinder date last week with somebody in Mon Monterey, ironically, who actually works, um, at the aquarium in Monterey that's not like you know he's behind the scenes doing some like important stuff and um anyways and that was an okay date we kissed and then I went home I mean, we haven't talked since but anyways uh it was uh he was he's the one who told me about it and how how kind of crazy it was that we were sitting in Monterey having a drink talking about this documentary. He works at the aquarium and like the Monterey Bay was literally um, less than just a few blocks away. Like the water was right there. And I'm like, wow. And I had not seen it yet. So I went home and watched it 
a few days ago with my kids and it's fantastic. Watch it on a big screen that has amazing color and sit back and enjoy and learn about the animals that live in this area. You know, they've got, oh my God, I saw this in person. They go, they follow the whales. Obviously we have killer whales out there and they show how they hunt. Um, and if you guys didn't know this, killer whales eat other whales. They eat baby blue whales. And those blue whales, the babies, are the size of the killer whales. They're huge. But it doesn't matter because a pack of killer whales hunts as a group and they overtake the baby. And it was pretty graphic. What I had seen in person was on a whale watching trip. Um, and we got to witness it. And it was really one of those things that you you don't want to watch, but you know, like what you're watching is nature and yeah, it is what it is. And it was, I mean, I was, it was really interesting. We all, they found the killer whales. They realized they were hunting all the whale watching boats kind of got, and there's about four or five of them got in a very large circle. We were way out in the ocean and we sat there and turned our motors off and sat very quietly while we they kind of explained on our boat, whispering into the mic, um, what we were witnessing. And they said, you know, it's a really amazing thing that you're getting to witness this right now, even though we are watching the death of a baby blue whale. And it was, it was I cried. <laughs> Let me tell you, I cried. Um, because the killer whales, it's silent, you know, it's silent. They're just, you hear them rushing out of the water and one after another going on top of the baby whale. They're trying to drown it and they're also ramming it and biting it at the same time. So it's going through a lot, but I felt like it went on for a long time, but on the documentary, they say it's pretty swift. I'm like, I don't know. It felt like that thing. I felt like it went on for 20 minutes when I was watching it live in person. And then what I found really amazing is that, I didn't honestly I don't really remember seeing blood um I'm sure there was blood but I don't remember seeing it but the mother whale obviously was upset and they say that this is very this is kind of what happens we saw this happen too the mother whale will go underneath the baby whale and she'll keep lifting him up to the surface or her up to the surface to try to help them breathe because they breathe air and they can't be underwater they drown so finally there's a point where there's you know the point of no return and she I remember she's like the size of a school bus and she just like went full charge like towards the pack of um killer whales because they had already the the job was done they had already completed it and she like this is a mammal she has emotions she was upset her baby was gone and so she charged towards the killer whales and then she events eventually slowly kind of made her exit and they feasted on it and i don't remember seeing the whale in the documentary you can actually see the baby whale floating on the surface it's not gross it's not bloody it's just like it looks like a honestly it looks like a giant long white marshmallow with a bunch of bite marks out of it but they're everything looks white it looks like because they're I guess they're biting into the blubber and the blubber just looks white so it's not gory really um but I didn't see the the baby whale when I saw it in person it was I felt like it was still underwater but um what I do remember is the smell it smelled like oil and that was the blubber in the air and then out of nowhere the seagulls came. We are like, I feel like we were like three miles out in the ocean. Where the hell these birds came from? I have no clue. But they smell, obviously, the death of this baby whale. And they're there to pick at all the scraps, which is just, again, nature. Amazing. So yeah, you'll see sea otters. You'll see jellyfish. A lot of, um, 
you know, animals under the water and a lot on top. But it's really well done and I highly, re highly recommend it. I really, really enjoyed it. Beautiful too, like the drone footage, just the crisp, you know, footage that they took underwater and um, above water and and I'm just really proud to say that I live 20 minutes from this. It's just, it's really, I'm very, very happy about where I live. It's pretty amazing. Um, and the second one was Shania Twain. It was the doc documentary on Shania Twain. I don't know the name offhand, but you know, you'll find it if you look it up on Netflix. I thought it was really, really good. And I, I used to be a big fan of Shania and I used to love Garth Brooks and of course Shania and I, who else? Gosh, I feel like those were the only two, honestly. Um, oh, achy, breaky heart. I liked him for a while, too. Uh, this was all back, like, college, like, 92, 93, 94. So I got into country music then because, of course, um, Billy Ray Cyrus was huge at the time. And we were going to this place called the Saddle Rack. We called it The Rack in um, San Jose. And I'd go there with my boyfriend, and all the couples would go there. And we'd drink and dance and... I never went on the bowl, but they have like, you know, it's just like any country bar. There's like sections you can go to. There's an area where there's like dancing, the area where there's like the live band, the area where the bull is, the area where you could go lay on the, I don't know, they have you like recline in this like dentist chair and they pour the, sh the alcohol down your throat. I never did any of that, but it was fun to go there at the time. And I, I was really, I really liked country music and it spilled over into when I met my kid's dad and I was, by then I was really loving Shania. And I know when I met Chris, he was like, he loved her too. And so it just kind of became like our anthem music. Like we'd be playing it Well, we were falling in love to that, that album. There's a couple albums that she had, but um, definitely by the time um, still the one came out, which is what I wanted to talk about. Um, his cousins were, we were going out into the Valley in Fresno and going to his cousin's wedding, weddings. We were getting ready to, you know, have our wedding. We didn't use that song because so many people had used it. Um, we used, oh my God, it was, oh my gosh, I can't remember. <gasps> I've got to look it up. What was the song we danced to? It was so sweet. Well, it's hitting, it's my ex-husband's favorite singer. And I can see him in my head, but I'm drawing a blank. I want to call him Neil. Hold on. I got to stop this and think about his name because otherwise I'll just be going, huh? hold on. I was right. It's Neil Diamond. Hold on. Now I got to think of the song. Hold on. Oh my god, this was the song. It was called Marry Me. Hello. So this is Oh, this makes me kind of sad. Sometimes carry me. Oh, cuz he's he wasn't my favorite singer, but it was Chris's. And I will be there I don't think I've heard this song and oh my god, I'm getting a message. Haven't heard this song in so long. Seriously? Who's calling me? Hold on. Who's writing to me? It's Owen. <laughs> Can I take a shower in your room in like 10 min minutes? I mean a bath. I'm recording my podcast right now, so you're going to have to wait like 30 minutes. It's going to take me about another 30. Sorry. <laughs> he had football practice today. Okay, so that gets me a little um, sad. And it's not because I miss my kid's dad. It's more that the dream that I had uh, didn't happen. And it's not that the marriage didn't make it, which in itself is very sad for an entire family. And I'm really glad we're, we are where we are at, where we're friends and it's good for the kids. But I think 
as a girl growing up who always loved the thought of weddings, you know, I don't know if the whole wedding thing, that culture is starting to calm down because it's so expensive, but I still see a lot of wedding stuff. It was a big deal in the 90s when, well, we were married in 99, but it was, you know, it was like a big deal to plan this party. And I know people would say to me that the wedding isn't the marriage, like that's just one day of feeling like a princess and watching everybody watch your love and all of that. And you get so caught up in that, that it is a pretty big letdown when it's over, when the party's over and there's no, no one's paying attention anymore. No one really gives a shit. Yeah, we saw you dance. We saw you kiss at the altar. We're good. All right, now move on with your life. And so it is really true. And you don't want to believe that when you're planning the wedding. You don't want to think like it's, this is just the big day and then it's, but it's going to be a fairy tale. Every day is going to be a fairy tale because we're going to be married. It's going to be amazing, right? And so when speed bumps come through and you know, there's a lot of compromising when you feel like there's a repeat on something that makes you insane that you're like, oh my God, I have to freaking deal with this for the rest of my life. Are you kidding? So there's a lot of things that really changed all of my thoughts about commitment and relationships and what I thought it was. I really truly believed and I think truly that that whole idea isn't that way for anyone. You know, it's like, and maybe some people will say that it is that they've got this fairy tale marriage. But I think in general, the, the, what do they say? The, the rose falls off the bloom. I can't, no, I'm saying that wrong. My mom always uses that expression. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, and I just heard a TikTok. I'm going to play it honestly, because it, it goes with what I'm talking about right now. I was going to put it on my story, but just the beginning of this, listen to this. Want to know the truth about romantic relationships? They don't make you happy. Like, we studied it. Most people, after the first three to six months of a relationship, their happiness returns to the level it was prior to the relationship. And if you're a hetero woman, the chances are you end up less happy than your single counterparts in the end because married women who are married to men tend to report lower levels of happiness than single women. So, yeah, be real picky. Like, real picky. Be so, it's all, it just makes you, it's such a downer to hear that, but I do believe that. Like, hearing that TikTok was like, wow, that is so true. Like, you can't stay at this high, and everyone knows that. There's the honeymoon phase and things level out, but to know that your happiness level goes back down to pretty much where it was before you ever met the person is like, kind of like, really? Shit. Um, that's pretty disappointing, but I, apparently this person did a study on it, so I don't know, I mean, how true it is, but it, it sounds like it's somewhat true, and I sort of feel like that's what I went through. So yeah, while I was planning my wedding, and everyone's planning their wedding, my friends, and we're going to weddings, we're in weddings, it was just nonstop weddings, and um, Still the One was a pretty big song at the time by Shania, and oh boy, there's one part to this song. Sorry, Finn's always barking at night when I'm I kind of want to hear the chorus to this Marry Me. Hold on. Because I know I ended up liking the song. Well, I really actually did like that song. I don't really like it anymore, but I did. 
but it makes me feel sad for what I thought it all was. And now I feel so jaded by relationships that I that whole fantasy, the fairy tale fantasy is kind of forever gone for me. Like I realize like it's not a real thing because I've been through these relationships enough times and it's like there's a cycle to all of them. And, you know, even my most recent one of six years, like things seem so great in the beginning and then you start compromising and then you're like not really saying how you feel and then you're just kind of moving along with all of it, looking for the next kind of like high with that person so it can continue to like feel like a good relationship. It's kind of exhausting. Um, but still the one, so I heard this, I had forgotten about the song. I haven't heard the song in a really long time. And you guys all know this. When I first saw you, I saw love. I love this part. Okay, I could play the whole song. Such a great song, though. And because I don't have advertising, I can play whatever I want. Um, I did have advertising, by the way, for like a split second, if any of you heard it. And then it was gone. It was like there for a day. And then they, I guess it was experimental. I don't know. But I'm kind of glad it's gone. Uh, it didn't make me any money. It was like I've told people on my Instagram story. I made uh, 18 cents uh, for them putting a, I think it was a minute long ad on the beginning of every single one of my podcasts. I was kind of excited just to hear that advertisement, but I don't want people to have to listen to this advertising when, especially when I'm not making anything off it. Like, what is the point? So I'm glad it's off of there. But anyways, this song just sprung up memories and I started singing it while the documentary was playing and I got so choked up and I just started sobbing for that person that Jennifer back when she was 25 26 27 viewing this new future as the most perfect beautiful thing like the hopes and dreams that I had that that I thought were going to happen that I really thought was real life. And I guess I'm, I was mourning for that person that was so kind of <laughs> just not aware at all and just thought everything would be a fairy tale. And it's like, I guess I'm sad that, uh, that, you know, that what I thought wasn't true and, um, life is hard. <laughs> life takes a lot of work and it's just the sad reality that, you know, relationships are difficult. And so that that really kind of got to me. And I played this song to go pick up uh, Joey and Owen. They were at the movies and I'm crying like all the way to the movies. And I picked them up. And they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, this song. And they thought I was crying because it reminded me of their dad. And it wasn't that. It was just the whole thing about just mourning this fairy tale that I really thought life was going to be and it really isn't so um, life has so many ups and downs but I recommend the um, documentary because I thought it was really well done I love Shania super interesting to hear about how she started in Canada as a very young girl being brought into bars when she was totally underage but as long as it was last call at the bars 
and they weren't actually serving, she could come in and sing on stage, um, even though there was alcohol at all the tables. <laughs> but um, it was okay for her to come in. And I guess her dad didn't like it. But the mom was the one that was sneaking her out of the house because she just knew this girl had talent. And then her parents, I mean, most people know this, they died tragically in a car accident when I think she was like 19, 17. And she was the one, the sole provider and caregiver to the, the rest of her siblings. I think there were three of them. So she became their mom. And, and she married Mutt Lang, Def Leppard's manager. I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. So all of that's very interesting. I just thought it was really well, well done. And she speaks throughout it and it's her today. Um, and yeah, what a, what a, what an amazing woman. So much energy and she's just a little firecracker you know on stage and she oh she said she's such a trendsetter too with all of her styles back in the day and apparently she's huge in the lgbtq community because of her fashion statements that she's made and that's translated throughout that community as well just like britney is really popular in share and stuff so shania is very big as well but she crossed over from country into pop that was her goal she said country's not enough she wanted to be known worldwide and God damn it, she did it. She's awesome. So highly recommend 10 out of 10. Watch that. Um, so let's see. I thought I would tell you guys. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I've got about a half an hour. I will tell you that I'm addicted to cookie dough, which is not a big shocker. A lot of people are. But lately, I bought, I've been buying the tub. You know, the big tub of the Nestle Toll House cookie dough. And after I'm done with my meal, I treat myself to some cookie dough. So I've been sitting there on the couch with a spoon, uh, digging at the pile of cookie dough and this bowl, not even sure how much I'm eating. It's And I told my mom, I said, it's like I'm eating like cereal, but it's cookie dough, like straight up cookie dough. So I've had to chill the fuck out because I've been eating it way too much. And I think it like it's just not good for you. And I've definitely gained a couple pounds. I was like, I know y'all say she's so skinny, whatever, but I know, I know my body and I don't like it when I gain even a couple. Cause then I got, I got to lose it or it'll piss me off. So anyways, cookie dough. Yeah. It's, um, had its grip on me lately, <laughs> but God damn, it's good. It's addicting. You can't stop eating it. You like take one bite and it's like just another chocolate chip, just a little bit more cookie dough. Those chocolate chips are like kind of off to the side and they're sort of sticking out. So I should eat them to make the little, cause it's like, I'm, I'm smoothing out the cookie dough as I'm going through it. I'm like making like a wall. And so if the wall looks a little uneven, I try to clean it up with the spoon just cause it's another excuse to eat more. I mean, <laughs> the stupid shit that I put through in my head. So I make it okay for me to continue to eating it continue to eat it. Um, but anyways, yeah, cookie dough, stay away from it. It's bad for you. Um, okay. Uh, I can't, okay. So I've got a date I want to tell you about, but it's an old date. And then I have a, a Tinder experience from yesterday. And, um, I kind of want to mention that I hung out with my, my, I'm just going to call him my favorite and if you guys, well, you guys probably already know, he's the, he's the guy that I've had feelings for. This has been going on for like three months now. Anyways, I saw him last night. It was on the night last night. It was really nice. And yeah, I kind of have like all sorts of butterflies again, but you know, what am I going to do? Um, but yeah, it was great. He's great. I really like him a lot. And, um, I don't know, hopefully I'll see him again soon. It had been two weeks. And so, yeah, it's real confusing, but it's so worth it to me because I just, I adore him and I really like my time with him. So it's, it's fun. Just me and him. No one else was there. His roommate was gone. Just hanging out, just doing adult things. Just 
you know, and he's real affectionate too. He's sweet. Okay. I'm going to shut up about that. Um, I wanted to tell you guys about a date in college that I had. I'm going to start with that one. Cause I think it's pretty funny. Um, so I went to San Jose state and this is probably my fourth year in college. And at this point I was living in these apartments called the colonnades with four other girls, five of us in a two bedroom. So there was three in one bedroom and two in the other. The, these were really nice apartments. Um, they were pretty new at the time. And I remember our rent was 1200 and we split up the one room by th with three people. Can you imagine we all had boyfriends too? Like sometimes the boyfriends would be spending the night and, you know, you know, shit's going on when people are asleep. So that was kind of, I don't think I had a boyfriend at that time, but uh, yeah, I was single. So, and I think we were only there for like a year as a fivesome, but, um, uh, we had, a, you know, bars really close by downtown San Jose, and I had been down there drinking one Friday or Saturday night with my roommates, and then I could just walk back to our apartment. And there was, it was the end of the night at Katie Bloom's. It's an Irish pub, very popular place for us to go. And there was a very attractive college dude, maybe even out of college. I don't know. I felt like he was like 25. I was probably 22. Brunette, you know typical hunk, like 6'2", well-built, gorgeous face. No one that would ever go out with me, that is for sure, because I was not the hottest girl by any means. I was a nerd growing up. I didn't have a boyfriend in high school. I wasn't so much a nerd in high school, but just wasn't happening, wasn't hanging out with any boys for whatever reason. Not that I didn't have a million crushes, but I was just too shy. And anyways, this guy was paying attention to me at the end of the night. He was probably just looking, uh, obviously looking back, he was looking for just somebody to hook up with. So he, got, I don't recall it that well. This was a long time ago, but I do recall some specific moments, which I think is just worth mentioning. So I don't even know the guy's name. Um, but I do remember him like sweet talking me and sweet talking me, sweet talking me, sweet talking to me. Uh, sweet talking to me. I think that's how you say it. I don't know why my brain just kind of goes blank sometimes when I'm doing this and like things that I normally know how to say. Um, I completely forget how to say when I'm recording. So forgive me because then later I'm like, what? I know how to say that. Why did I say it like that? Duh. So anyways, he was flirting with me and I don't know, we started kissing and I think even in my head, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> this is like the hottest guy. And so he says, you're taking me home tonight. And I said, I am. And I'm thinking, what? Like, and he goes, yeah, I'm, t you're taking me home tonight. I don't know if he didn't have a ride or what was going on. This is way before Uber. There was nothing like that. There were taxis, but I don't even think anyone knew how to even call one. So I said, well, I, I'm walking distance from the bar. So he comes back with me. Don't recall about any of my roommates. I, there was no one in my room. I know that um, Lori and Pia were not there. Um, hi, Pia, if you're listening. Um, and anyways, he spends the night. I know we we definitely, we did it. And, um, and it was fun. And I just remember thinking, I don't remember if he touched me. I don't remember the sex, honestly. I could just make something up and tell you it was amazing, but I honestly don't remember it at all. I think in my head, like I have a feeling that there was something a little rough and I was trying to just be okay with it, cause, but not rape or anything, just that, you know, he was so hot, I was going to kind of like let him do whatever, not whatever, but I mean, I was kind of letting him, you know, run the show. And I just, because I think I was just in such shock that this guy wanted me. So I do recall the next morning, this is the funny part. So I'm standing in the mirror in my bathroom and I'm, I don't know what I was doing, brushing my teeth. 
is my Devoto, um, brushing my teeth. And he comes up out of nowhere in the morning and stands in the mirror behind me. And he was taller than me. And he kind of like cocked his head to the side and he smiles because he knows he's like, he was like a model. He was beautiful. And I'm feeling really not very attractive with the bright bathroom light. I'm brushing my teeth. It's the next morning. I'm probably very hungover, probably didn't sleep at all. Probably have to take a shit big time because you know, it's the next morning. And this guy's standing here in my bathroom, standing behind me. And I remember him looking in the mirror and he wrapped his arms around my shoulders, you know, the front of my chest and tilted his head and smiled and looked at us and said, don't we look good together? And I was like, like, I literally dreams coming true right here. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes, we look amazing. Are you kidding? You know, and I, but honestly, I felt so awkward because I didn't think I looked that good with him. I'm like, you deserve somebody better looking, honestly, but <laughs> I'm not going to let him know that. So he says, I remember him sweet talking to me and asking me if, when I could drive him home. Of course, I'm not going to, no problem. I'll drive you home. You just, you know, you're going to be my new boyfriend. Obviously, I'm going to drive you home. So I'm driving him home. Don't remember the conversation, obviously. This is a very long time ago. Um, but I do recall thinking that, well, I gave him what he wanted. He thinks we look really good together in the mirror. We're clearly going to start hanging out, but he hasn't asked for my number yet. Like, what the fuck? So he goes, you can just pull up right there. So I pull up <laughs> against the curb. I guess that was his house. I don't remember. And he starts to open the door up. And I said, don't you want my number? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. You can give me your number. And I'm like thinking right then I was like crushed. I'm like, oh, something's not right. Okay, here's my number. My name's Jennifer also, just in case you <laughs> forgot. And so I give him my number and I waited and I waited. This is before cell phones. This is just plug in phone in the wall. And I, I mean, we had an answering machine. So a mess. I mean, oh my God, I waited for days. So brutally crushing to realize that he was never calling. Like, and I've always envisioned that once he got out of my car, he literally took my little piece of paper and just crumpled it up in a ball and, and chucked it into the gutter. Like that's probably what happened. But yeah, that was the beginning of rejection and dating. I'm sure I've had plenty of other rejections, but that was a hard, that one really made me feel like shit. Cause I was talking this guy up and I'm like, Oh my God, he's so hot. I can't wait to see him again. I'm telling my roommates boy, did I feel like a dumb dumb. So yeah, and nothing's really changed. Guys still today are very similar to that. They just want the one thing and they're not going to call you again. They're just looking for the one time. Um, so that was one of my, um, I don't know, one of many sexual escapades through college. I had fun. Um, okay. So last night I, well, actually I had matched up with this person through Facebook dating, I think a couple weeks ago. Let me explain what he looks like. He looks like vanilla ice, but like at 41. So very chiseled face. The pictures are all like there's there's different um, filters on the pictures. Not so much where there's filters like enhancing the face, but more so like making the, the color in the backgrounds more bluish, like stuff like that. He definitely had blue hair in one picture. He's wearing flannels in pictures. In one picture, he looks kind of like... Um, like a gangbanger, which was interesting because he looks so like vanilla ice in some pictures. Uh, I think it said he was 5'10". And there was one shot where he just shows like the top part of his pecs. You never can tell with those because they're not showing the rest of their body and there could be 
you know, not the best body. You just don't know. But in the flannel pictures of, with the flannel button up, I didn't see any stomach or anything. So all looked good physically. And anyways, we had had some funny communication and I, I got to pull it up because it, it was, it was too funny. Hold on. It was an accident, but I wasn't totally sure. Okay, good. He didn't unmatch me. Um, so he says, he says, let's see. Hey, how's it going? I like your profile. And, and that's all he wrote. And I put, you're hot. And, um, and it says, it says you're new here, recently single. I'm in Watsonville, not too far. And then he writes, Hey, what's up? What you up to today? Didn't answer my questions at all. Like, okay. And then I said, working at the moment, teaching, not much later. What are you up to? And he says, just getting so errands done this morning that I'm pretty free myself. And I didn't respond to that because I don't know, just the, the not answering the questions before and then just not realizing that he wrote the word so instead of some just kind of bothered me. I just didn't feel like communicating with him. So um, then he writes to me again another day, love to maybe gang out later, G-A-N-G, gang out later. And I said, that's possible. What were you thinking? Are you near East Cliff? And then I said, wait, to hang out or gang out? And I put like a, you know, the emoji with the tongue sticking out to the side. And I said, I tell him I had to override autocorrect three times to get it to keep gang. It kept changing it to hang. Is gang a word you use a lot? <laughs> and then I put a cracking up face and then the emoji with the eyes popping out. I thought that was pretty funny. And he says, no, I just made a mistake. M-I-S-T-A-K. I'm like, okay, what is happening? Is he just really uneducated or is he talking into his phone and it's not typing things in? Like, how do you not know how to write the word mistake? So, and as, you know, a teacher and a lover of the English language, I just, these, these things bother me. And there's sort of like little red flags, like who am I dealing with? And then, so I just ignored that. And then he wrote to me a week later and says, hey, Jennifer, how are you? And I said, hey there, I'm good. We never hung out. Are we going to do that? Also, what color is your hair at the moment? He says, at the moment, my hair has silver tips. That This is boring shit. Um, but anyways, he said that he was going to be out of town for a little bit. And I'm thinking right away, he's going to serve time in jail. <laughs> That's what's happening. But I'm not going to ask him that because I don't want to be rude. So um, he finally writes to me. It looks like, it. well, it was Wednesday. This was July 25th. He was going to be out of town. He's back on Wednesday, which was like August something. So I guess he was gone about a week. He says, I'm back. I ignored it. He says, hey, gorgeous. The next day. And I say, hey there, welcome back. And he says, well, thank you. And then he didn't like, I'm like, well, you know, you say something. I don't know. I don't feel like saying anymore. So he does about an hour later. He says exactly an hour later to the minute. I wonder if he timed that. Like he puts a timer on. He's like, she doesn't say anything. I'm going to say something in an hour. I'm going to put my timer on. Um, he says, when did you want to hang out? And I said, what's your schedule like? I'm actually off until the 15th summer break right now. And he just wrote pretty open. That's a red flag. That definitely no job. I don't like, where are you living? And he did say that his interests are social. Oh, what was it? Wait, it's right here. His interests are mental health and homelessness. Okay. So there's a lot of homelessness in Santa Cruz, a lot. And you can still be on a dating app and be homeless. 
So I, I didn't really think of any of that at the time, but um, I say, okay, K, maybe later afternoon tomorrow, East Cliff, question mark, just curious, do you drink, do you smoke? Did you have braces? Because there's a picture of him with the straightest teeth I've ever seen, like beautiful teeth. And I'm like, are those really real? Are they, I don't even, I don't know. Like, could they really be real or are they dentures? I'm not sure, but would a guy like that, who's kind of like edgy, he's got tattoos all over his arms and his hands, and would he have dentures? Like, I mean, maybe, but I didn't want to ask, obviously. So did you have braces? That's the best way to find out. Um, I said, your teeth are too perfect. And he says, he says, not sure what we do if we gang out, but I'm down. And I didn't realize he was actually making a joke, referring to that earlier conversation, like over a week before. And I'm thinking, did he fucking just write gang out again? Oh my God. That's how I took it. And, um, and he put, ha ha, no, I quit. This is all one sentence, by the way. Ha ha, no, I quit. Never had braces. That was two parts. It was ha ha, no, I quit referring to drinking and smoking. So we're dealing somebody with somebody who's probably an AA or NA, which I know those are good things, but those people that are in those programs aren't always good for my life because they've gone through some stuff. And like, again, I'm not looking for a boyfriend, but still even just to chill with, I'm not sure I want to deal with somebody that's mm, had enough problems that they needed to go through sobriety, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and never had braces. Okay. So I'm like, you really just have naturally straight teeth like that straight? Like, are you kidding me? Like they're like, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking that. And he says, all of you is perfect. I'm like, Oh, I like that. So he sends me his phone number. And I say, ha ha, okay, hold on. So what was your plan? Oh, because, oh, I, I'm, I totally, where did the, oh my God. Facebook took, Facebook, they took it out. Uh. Oh no, I put, here it is. Okay. Um, I put, ha ha, okay. When he gave me his phone number, I said, ha ha, okay, hold on. So what was your plan? Because he said, not sure what we'd do if we gang out, but I'm down. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Not sure. So we can't go to a bar. So did you think we were just meeting to like hook up? Like I, so I say, um, ha ha. Okay. Hold on. So what was your plan just to meet and fuck? And he says, depends. Is that your plan? And then he puts a question mark and I said, it wasn't no. And he goes, good. Cause I think we can do better than that. I said, but you said, I'm not sure what we would do if we just hung out. So I guess I was asking what you had in mind. And he said, no, I just said, I wouldn't know if we gang out. <laughs> I could think of a million things we could do if we hang out, laugh out loud. And I was like, oh my God, went right over my head. So I'm like, all right, he's got a sense of humor. I like this. I said, you were being funny. Shit. Sorry. I totally messed up. He said, it's okay. Laugh out loud. Want to talk? Call me. You'll understand my voice better than soulless typing. And I put ha 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 thumbs up. So I'm stoked to talk to him because I'm like, okay, I got some personality through the texting that I, uh, it went right over my head. And I kind of like that, that it was sort of unexpected. So I call him right away. Oh, he answers the phone. The personality is zero. He, he's not talking. He just says, first of all, he's got a very a mildly high pitched voice. There's something odd about his voice. And he, I don't know how any other way to say this, but he sounded homeless. I mean, I don't know if there's a homeless voice like that doesn't even make sense, but his voice, like I can't even try to do it. I don't want to try to do it, but it was just high pitch. It just sounded odd and it, he sounded 
five nine, five ten. He didn't. I don't know why I was envisioning him t- taller, even though I knew he was only five ten, which isn't only five ten. But you know what I mean. He wasn't six three or whatever. But the voice definitely sounded like strange. And so, and also he had a bit of an impediment when he was talking. I could hear it in his speech through his teeth, and or lack thereof. There may have not been any teeth because it sounded odd. There was something really odd about the way he was talking. And so I say, um, I'm, I'm laughing about the fact that I messed up with what he had typed. That's kind of how I started the conversation off. And he did, I don't know, like he didn't respond the way I thought he would. He just didn't really laugh much back. And so I sort of just waited for a second for him to ask me something. And I, I let it sit and be kind of quiet because I was thrown off by his voice. And I don't remember what he said, but we talked a little bit more and I asked him, what he'd been up to. And some within minutes, I found out that he has stage five kidney failure. So this is not fun for anyone. And I, I don't know what's going on. I said, I'm really sorry about that. My gosh, are, are you looking for a donor? And he said, well, yeah, you know, things are really hard right now. Just let's, this is kind of how he talked, like just trying to figure out if I can get a donor or not. Yeah, this is sort of how he talked. And um, I've got a few friends who are going to try to help, but I don't know yet. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And the, uh, the, this is the tone. This is how he, he sounds. I am like, oh, my God, I almost literally just took my thumb and hung up. I almost did. I almost just hung up without even explaining anything. And I said, you know what, Nick, I've, or Nicholas, I don't even think I said his his name. I just said, you know what, I have to tell you, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. I mean, I said this out loud. I remember looking at my jeans going, I'm really doing this because I could have just hung up. I said, but really, I think what you're going through a lot right now, and I think it's not really what I'm looking for right now. And as far as dating, so I'm, I think I'm going to have to just pass or I don't think I said pass I said something less less um horrible I I just said I'm I'm you know I think this is not what I'm looking for basically and I'm I'm really sorry like I, he definitely got the clue and he goes oh okay well I still think we'd have a good time I said I know I'm, I'm just really sorry I'm just I think you're going through a lot and you know and so he goes all right then all right well if you change your mind you know where you can find me I'm like, okay, all right, have a good night, bye. And then within minutes, he sends me two pictures and said, thought you might want to see a little bit more of what I look like. And he, like, of course, sends me the torso shot where he's holding his junk in his hand. You can't see it. He's covered, it's covered up with his hand. And he's laying down flat, but something looks odd about his abdomen. And I think that is, might have, it might have something to do with the kidney failure. I'm not sure, but... Like, come on, this is a dating app who like, I'm, I'm super sorry that he's going through health problems, but it's just that people really give a different impression with their pictures and what they're willing to share. And then you talk to them and it's like, oh shit, like you're, you got a lot going on and you don't sound anything like that guy looks. And so, yeah, I've, I've had this happen so many times where I envision something completely different. And then I see them in person. It's like, Oh boy, I know this happens all the time to everybody. It's blind dates. It totally is. So yeah, I didn't respond to his pictures. It, you know, I don't know. There's nothing to say. Like, what can I say? Like those, yeah, they look good. I'm sorry, but it's still a no. I don't know. I just didn't say anything. 
I need to take my pill. I um I just didn't say anything and I felt kind of bad about it. But yeah, so that happened last night. And um, what else? What else? What else? Should I wrap this up? Oh, God, this is another thing. I'll, yeah, I'll just throw this in at the end. So I told you guys all about me not being part of the U equals U ambassador program anymore. Um, but when I was with this, you know, the U equals U ambassador program, like a month ago or whatever, they asked everybody to apply. It was more than a month ago. They asked everybody to apply to USCHA, which is the United States Conference on AIDS. Well, HIV and AIDS is what they say now. So it's USCHA. It's going to be in Puerto Rico in October. It's, a, you know, it's a big HIV conference. And they said every all of the everybody apply. There's I don't know how many ambassadors there are for U equals U. I would say there's probably 25, 26. I don't know. There's a lot of us. Um, everybody apply. So and let us know if you hear anything. And so I got the email today from NMAC um, for the scholarship and I got it. So I got the scholarship. What that means is that I would go there as an NMAC. Um, and NMAC stands for, I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. And they've actually accepted me as a social media scholar in the past for another USC. At that time it was USCA and it was in Orlando, Florida. And I went there and did that. They accepted me for that. So I guess they liked my work. Um, Oh, hold on. My son's probably saying, um, 10 more minutes. Owen's asking. Um, okay. I, I, NMAC, it's, it's an AIDS, AIDS organization or HIV organization. When you put an NMAC, it says Nissan finance. That's, <laughs> that's wrong. Oh, here we go. NMAC home. You know what? I remember looking this up before. I don't think NMAC, those three letters even stand for anything or they used to, but they don't anymore. I mean, A could be AIDS, but I feel like there's, n I remember trying to look this up before and I couldn't figure anything out, but anyways, regardless, they are the AIDS service organization, I believe, that is um, sponsoring myself, and uh, it looked like on the email there was about 19 other people that also received the scholarship, so what it includes is a trip to Puerto Rico, you know, it's it's the flight, it's a hotel, it probably includes food every day, and then you're working, basically. So I'm there to work, I'm there to be there at all the different um, con conference meetings and interview people. They have a whole list of things for us to do. It's a lot, honestly. And I've done this before, and it was a real honor to be asked to do it because I was new to HIV advocacy, and it was really exciting to be recognized and be um, thought of as somebody that... Um, Hold on a second. I'm I'm doing a podcast still. Well, you hang out with me downstairs when you're done. Yeah. Okay, bye. But I'm tired. Okay, bye. <laughs> how cute. I mean, how fun. I have the best kids. Um. So anyways, that was Joey, by the way. So yeah, it was a real honor to feel like they felt that I was capable of doing this. And, you know, I hadn't ever run around a conference full of all of these people that have, you know... Uh, a lot to do with HIV advocacy. It's AIDS service organizations. It's just all of everybody was there. Lots of people. So um, I kind of was like, if I got it, I wasn't kind of, kind of, could I say kind of a few more times? I wasn't sure if I, I was sort of hoping I didn't get picked, honestly, because then I could just say, oh, okay, it's not happening. But I got picked. So now 
I'm stressing out. For one thing, I'm not with the U equals U ambassador sponsorship, not sponsorship, <laughs> ambassador program anymore. So like, do I even let them know that I got asked? You know, I don't even know. Maybe at this point, somebody has heard it through my, my Instagram stories and has alerted somebody in the U equals U realm, whether they care or not. I, I don't even know that. And here's the second thing. I feel like because I talk about so much in the last three years, since the last time I went to a conference, I've talked about in depth and feel very strongly about where uh, women or how women contract HIV, mainly through men on the down low, which, you know, you guys have heard me talk about that a million times and how, you know, they don't like it. The people that are in the know and the HIV community, I don't know. I just feel like I have a lot of haters. Let's just say that. I feel like there's definitely a lot of people out there that don't like that. I say how I feel about it. And also that women aren't transmitting is the other part. Yes, it's possible, but you know, it's very, very rare. So anyways, because I've been very outspoken about these things, I feel that I'm sort of frowned upon by many parts of the community. And some, you know, a lot of people support me, obviously, or else I wouldn't continue. I know I have plenty of support. But for those types of organizations where everything's very PC, I don't fit the mold. And I stand out like a sore thumb, I think. And I don't think a lot of people like me. So do I want to go all the way to Puerto Rico to literally feel like an outsider, but yet I have to be very outgoing and go around and meet people where somebody could come right up to me in person and say, you know what? I heard some shit that you put on your Instagram and it really pissed me off. And I'm going to tell you why. Like, I don't really want to deal with that face to face. Send me a text message or send me a DM, but um, face to face, don't really want to deal with that. So I'm really torn on what to do. My daughter, Ryan really wants to go, um, which would be nice to have that support. But it, like I said, it's a ton of work. They want you to create your own basically campaign. And they have like five things that they want you to cover. U equals U, PrEP, homelessness was one of them, um, access to medication, like just medication itself. There was a pretty long email that I got this morning about all the things that they're expecting from all of their social media scholars. Of course, you're honored because you're being paid they're paying for your way to get in and be there the flight all of that but you're working like when you're there you're it's not all just hang out and chit chat with people like you are expected to get certain things done there's meetings you attend you are expected to like put out so much on your social media every single day and there's expectations for what should be included in those things and it all sounds you know it's not that hard but it is a little stressful and I also would not be working um here in Watsonville and I would lose money for the week that I was gone. So I don't get paid when I'm not subbing. So it's like, you know, it's a trade-off whether I do it or not. So I'll keep you posted on that. Keep you guys posted on that and see if um, it's a good idea or not. I really have to think about it. Not really sure that this is the best move for me at this time. Again, it's like tempting because it is, you feel it's a it's a really nice feeling to get that email and say congratulations we selected you it's like fuck yeah like wow thank you but yeah that's that's nmac they selected me but I, there's still going to be a ton of people that i'm gonna have to see there that i don't know i really want to see so anyways well it is currently friday night and i've got a son that wants to get in the bathtub and a daughter who wants me to come hang out with her downstairs so i will do that and wrap this up i hope you guys have a great weekend and are enjoying this lovely summer weather 
It's my favorite time of the year. All right, guys, have a good one. Love you all. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you all very soon. Bye-bye for now. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.